This is a medicinal mass network production. Enjoy. Truth Seekers, and welcome to another episode of the FBI Basement, the podcast where we review every single episode of The X-Files. Every episode? Every episode. Even the ones with Doggett? Yeah, yeah, we're eventually going to get to those, but we got a lot of ground to cover before then. Uh, Today, we're going to be reviewing episode three, entitled Squeeze. My name is Todd Huff. I'm your host, and joining me today is Shannon, as always. Buenos noches. Marissa, as sometimes. Well, hello there. Valentine, as often. Yo. And Vanya, for right now. As, I was as not say present. Drums, but okay. <laughs> is Vanya not here? No, no, she went to bed. Okay. Oh. We have a Vanya puppet. She didn't catch this episode. So. All right. So, well, we're up to... This is the first uh, Monster of the Week episode, which what these were were episodes where the overarching myth arc of the series was more or less ignored in favor of uh, Mulder and Scully and, uh, uh, encountering uh, shit that be freaky. All manner of shit that be freaky. This was uh, first aired on September 24th, 1993. It was written by Glenn Morgan and James Wong and directed by Harry Longstreet. Get used to the names Morgan and Wong. You're going to see them a lot. Right. And... Before we get started with the recap, my good friend Valentine is going to tell you all about the Medicinal Mass Network. Huh? Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Why don't you go to www.medicinalmass.com and see some of the great audio we have for your listening pleasure there. There's many good podcasts on it, starting with The Adventures of Todd and Shannon Going all the way to Masters of Failure. There's hours and hours of content. All free. All available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you steal your audio. Or respectfully download it. Okay, so. This one begins in Baltimore. (laughs) Business and George Usher arrives at his office. He's watched from a storm drain by an unseen person. His name is Crazy Eyes McGee. Right. Crazy Eyes McGee. And by someone who then sneaks into the building by climbing through the elevator shaft into the ventilation system. And then uh, just decides to take Mr. Usher's liver. Without the fava beans or the nice Chianti. Chianti? Chianti. Well, it is in Baltimore, which is, I believe, where that is set. This is the latest of three murders where the liver has been removed, and it's being looked at by FBI agent Tom Colton. Ugh. 
This fucking that guy. guy. That guy. <laughs> hey, everybody. It's Donald Logue, who will later be Harvey Bullock in one of my favorite shows. Also a vampire in Blade. Um, <laughs> He's all over the place. Like, uh, Most people will know him actually from Grounded from Life or Vikings or... We meet uh, Donald Logue as he is being... As he is discussing things with his old colleague from the Academy... Dana Scully, <laughs> uh, and asked her to come in and help out on the uh, on this case, given its weirdness. And uh, basically, because she's all about the weird shit. Well, it, it, this is very. This is the point where you kind of get to see the reputation that Mulder has with the rest of the bureau, and it to me seems like that the bureau. Are basically the mean girls. Yeah, like exactly. on Thursday we wear our gray suits. In other news, I'm going to make Todd watch Mean Girls this week. They just get downright bitchy about Mulder, right? Yeah, Spooky, you can't sit with us today. You can't sit with us. Get in the car, loser. We're going shopping. <laughs> Again, I'm going to make him watch this movie this week. It's on Netflix. We're watching it. Uh, and they kind of like look at Scully as sort of the guy really wants to get Scully out of that situation. Colton does. Um, uh, of course, Scully brings Mulder in on this. Uh, this is apparent. This is, seems to be the classic locked room murder where there seems to be no point of entry or exit. No sign of for- of anything being forced open. Uh, Colton is immediately a dick to Mulder, and Mulder just throws that shade right back at him. <laughs> He's like, this guy's just pissed because I ain't going to sell him the good shit. Like, yeah, the little gray alien thing. So clearly, this kind of behavior towards Mulder is not unusual amongst the Bureau. But they, but he comes in, and they, they're investigating the crime scene. Uh, looking around... Mulder notices a vent. Small one. Impossible, you'd think, for someone to slip through. But interestingly enough, when the when he dusts for prints, he finds a sort of stretchy-looking one right on the side. What Mulder has not revealed is that these cases also mirror cases that occurred in 1933 and 1963. So, initially, the it's, it's thought that this guy is a copycat. Mulder, however, um, uh, has a wacky theory. It's the same person operating off of nine decades. Right. Off the bat, this one is like, I mean, really? Like, we're going there. Okay, we're going there, I guess. Well, you know, it's like they've kind of been been teasing us with the whole a- with aliens and UFOs for the first two episodes, which they're not going to straight up show us anything yet. The fun thing about Monsters of the Week is that you can actually show the weird stuff on on screen, full uh, full frontal, right there. I th- I think they get away with it <laughs> by not literally showing any exact proof that Mulder was ever right that the guy is that old. There's no literal proof aside from him. I think he fudged the question. Later on, 
I think we're we're definitely too far ahead of that, but definitely I see where yeah. you're going with that because they show the only the only maybe proof is what we're gonna get to eventually. Not it's not even proof, but it's like a question of why is he even doing that. Well, uh, the paper hive thing. But an important thing to note is because each of the previous murder sprees had five livers stolen, and he's and we're up to three. Mulder concludes that there are two more to go on the current spree. Thus, time is of the essence. Uh, Scully, uh, operating off the belief that the killer returns to the scene of the earlier crimes, uh, sets up a stakeout in a parking garage of the office building, uh, during which they catch a man named Eugene Victor Toombs climbing through the air. Percy Wetmore. <sighs> What's that? Percy Wetmore. I immediately saw him as Percy Wetmore, and yep. that's all I could think of yep. him. Like, he is Percy Wetmore. He lost his billy club, and now he can't home. do anything but like be a janitor. <laughs> uh, he is um, Doug Hutchinson, who you will better know as Horace Goodspeed on Lost, or Percy Wetmore on The Green Mile, or... Better known for plowing Courtney Stodden when she was 16. Ooh. Hmm. Yeah. Lord. He and was he was on 50. Lost? Yeah. Um, Horace Goodspeed. Was he? On Lost. Who was he on Lost? Wait, what? That, that. Who was he on Lost? I just said that. Horace Goodspeed. Yeah. Um... We're better known for plowing a 16-year-old, yes. Toombs is given a polygraph test, which uh, includes questions written by Mulder, uh, linking him to murders dating as far back as 1903. And Toombs passes most of the test, but crucially fails two questions written by Mulder, placing Toombs at the historical murders. Which uh, si- uh, 16 rules about my daughter immediately thought were like test questions or... or uh... Uh, yeah, it's what do you my call note them? there was the FBI is stupid and polygraph tests don't even work. <laughs> uh, you know, you can they still you can do fool them though. Polygraph test, man. You can. They still do those as 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 uh, interview for for interviews into like uh, high level like CIA jobs and stuff. But um, uh, I think they even do it for certain police locations. Yeah, Colton uh, Colton at this point though is having enough of Mulder. He doesn't care about the theories anymore and tombs is released uh Mulder, though later digitally elongates and narrows his tombs fingerprints which to match them to the stretched fingerprint he found on the uh stretch not found on the vent earlier uh and it matches fingerprints found in the older cases through the <gasps> magic of photoshop Okay, look, it's like, 1993. Yeah, like that that, that is truly wizardry. Okay. <laughs> when they showed the animation of him resizing it on there, I was like, "That's about my skill level." <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> this is why I use things like Canva. Yeah, I'm I'm terrible. Mulder then shows the fingerprints to, Sc- to Scully that they match, and uh, he also believes that Tombs is some kind of mutant who can stretch and squeeze his body through narrow spaces. And Betty's good with the ladies. We later see that actually happening for real when he squeezes down a chimney 
to kill another guy who's just having a having a drink. <laughs> Which really, do you want that guy's liver? Do you want the guy who's drinking scotch's liver? So, so when he was showing her uh, Scully those images, did no one else notice when he grabbed her by the necklace? Like, did we did we not get to that yet? I didn't see that. I totally saw that, but I've oh. also seen this episode a lot. It's mirrored at the end of the episode when Creepy Dude grabs it, but he does it also super creepily. And I'm like, why is he like molesting that her like that? That has gotta be on like, purpose. He grabbed her by the by the neck and chain. Why is she okay well, with that? Well, it was it was for it was foreshadowing to the episode where the guy is well, creeping it, above her and he takes the necklace off of her without her even knowing it. And it's a weird necklace, and it's not the one that she will consistently wear for the rest of the season or series. Excuse me. But but like how Mulder is so carelessly puts his finger against her bare chest to grab the thin chain link necklace off of her. And like when I say out. on purpose, I like, mean like not just foreshadowing for what happens later, but maybe to show again that Mulder like doesn't really know how to socialize with people. <laughs> it's like he's highly functioning <laughs> on the spectrum. Yeah. yeah, not really. Like personal space is a bit of an issue. Yeah. The next note I had about that ductwork was ductwork fetish. Um, I don't know. Did anyone else see that? <laughs> there is some weird duck. I, it looked like vo- it looked like vor porn. Like when he went into the chimney, I was like, kind of looked like he was enjoying it. I I'm gonna say that there is some weird moments, especially was- in the first season. And there's an episode later that we'll get to that's really. Um, and ice that's really, really soft core porny. There's a lot of weird sexual overtones in the first, definitely in the first season. I'm seeing um, it now. Oh, thank God. I thought it was just me. No. After no, all hey, this time. <laughs> like, now I understand why, you know, one sexuality has to be questioned for a number of years. But there's some really, like, it's really weirdly subtle, and then you get to gender bender, and it's like, bam. Oh well, <laughs> once again, you're jumping ahead. I know I'm jumping ahead again. So let's talk about the scene where he actually kills a guy, and it looks like one of the unsolved uh. mysteries dramatic reenactments. <laughs> it looks like a reenactment. <laughs> It was like they chopped it down to like 12 frames a second and then made it like 480p. Like I was bad. cringing watching that again. That was a little bit odd. I was like thinking like... And you realize in 93 that Marissa and I were sitting there and it's like, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> I yeah. want to make movies. I'm Roger Stack. Oh, Christ. <laughs> and that, by the way, is how it would make that episode so watching much more horrifying. Unsolved Mysteries. Robert Stack. <laughs> I like that your Robert Stack sounds almost exactly like your Hunter S. Thompson. <laughs> but no, like it—it it was a weird sort of. Th- it was a weird kind of. I don't quite get the point of that. <laughs> it's. I think the idea is they wanted to make a very scary episode, and maybe that was done for some drama. But also, if you've ever seen Glenn Morgan and Darren Wong, I hope I'm saying this right. Yeah, Glenn Morgan and James Wong. Excuse me. Um, you know what it kind of reminded me of? It's a little bit like Willard. Huh. It was like the remake of Willard. Well, sort of, yeah. I don't know. That that little 
but frame, I like that frame draggy clip just seemed like the, like a whoops, like, okay, let's just throw in what we have then. You don't feel like that's like maybe Chris Carter's moment. It's like, all right, let's do it this way. I, I, I can't, every time I see that in a movie or a TV show, I can't see how anybody would purposely want that there other than they didn't anticipate frame rate or something went wrong. Well, and keep in mind in like 93, we're talking about the sort of the start of the weird Jane, uh, John Woo kind of crap. Yeah. It still looks so just like, wrong. Like, ugh, like, come on, what'd you do? It does it doesn't fit a drama, you know? It doesn't it doesn't, it doesn't fit, fit that drama. kind of picture show or Evil Dead maybe. Like, <laughs> Evil Dead maybe. Oh wait. This also has some of that really great pen prick music from uh Mark Snow. They spent it on all that special effects stretching out that fingerprint. <laughs> And the green screen that they use on Tomb. Yeah, speaking of special effects, we've got another makeup effect I want to point out here. I want to point out here, uh, Tombs or uh, Hutchison as Tombs is wearing these stretchy McWeird guy, freaky yellow contact lenses. And who can talk about those? Because <laughs> yeah, like on, on one hand, it, it it got me into contacts, and I been obsessed with oh, always having a pair around ever since then well, i do do the haunt thing but you know just for fun too but the most simple set of contacts but he sold them so well now were these the kind i know for a while you, you there were contact lenses that had images and colors on them that you basically put in and you couldn't fucking see are these like the evil dead ones is what he's asking those they couldn't see out of and no, he could see just fine. If you've got a black hole in the middle, you can see just fine. And yeah, now nowadays, it's, if it's it's if it's one color over the eye, it's probably a mesh. And if you look closer, there's tiny little holes in it, and it just makes everything foggy. Yeah. Uh, basically, yeah, I wasn't sure if it was that, but you're right. It's not like the pure like the pure white ones. Yeah. That they put on poor Ted Remy. Or like when uh, whenever. In in Star Trek, whenever Lavar Burton was had his visor off, uh, yeah, or um, and they made it so uncomfortable, extremely <laughs> limited. Damn. Well, uh, apparently they, it was the same up into uh, the first X Men movie because Halle Berry had those for Storm, and that's why she had a terrible accent in that movie. Um, <laughs> I hate the X Men movies. That's what you should learn from these podcasts. I uh I used to make my own back in the day when I was probably 16 and uh I would start with a regular pair of prescription contact flexible lenses and I would take the contact lens tray and uh start dripping in food coloring <laughs> till it was nice and black and then I would soak the contacts overnight. I do not advise anyone to do Please this don't do ever. That. It is such uh, a Did bad you really idea. do that? <laughs> yeah, and then I would leave them in for weeks at a time and after like after you freshly put them in, oh my god! Like you would see the shade of the color for about oh six hours god. till you wore off that centerpiece, and then you were just back to. Did you just regular. come up with this on your but own? But if you leave, well, I mean, it was kind of like the the stoner skater kid thing. Like it was before Google. It, it was really cool because they'd start out black, and throughout the day they would slowly degrade as your eye, you know, washed the color off. Yeah, down to whatever base color you put in to begin with. So they'd, they'd start black, turn blue, and end up like green, dark green. I'm like green. half but, terrified for you and half extremely intrigued and as to why I never tried this. They lasted for a while till one night I was spending the night at my friend's <laughs> house and my eyes started uh. just 
it felt like there was a needle going right through the center of my eye, and I could not well, stop the burning pain Well, that actually happens normally with just wearing contacts, so like... Yeah, it does, because the the contact will absorb all your moisture. Um, as someone who wears contacts, and the crazy expensive ones, don't do what he just said he'd do. Oh my god. <laughs> oh... <laughs> Uh, we, we do basically. not condone this. Do not this. condone this, doing this stupid <laughs> I, I have one question to close off this, this eye contact subject. How is your vision now? Okay, so I wear glasses from six years ago. There is a huge mar in the center of the left lens from where um, a very extremely sharp scraping tool uh, flew up towards my face. And because I didn't have to wear safety glasses because I have regular glasses, I wore these, and now I wear that mark as proof that these are safety glasses because I I still have my left oh. eye. <laughs> well, I'm glad oh, it no. wasn't the context. <laughs> you know, right? Just don't do that. Don't do it, Valentina. I think we've digressed enough at this point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Chasing chasing after this investigation, uh, they find uh, a former detective named Frank Briggs, a re- retired policeman played by Harry Beckman. And I love this guy. Oh my god, he hurts my soul. He's just, he's just such the he's just, he's just <laughs> such a great retired cop. He's he just fantastic looking guy. Plays the role perfectly. <laughs> Um, he recounts his experiences investigating the 1933 murders. It, it, we mentioned, of course, the, the, the hypothesis is that the livers are, key, are keep him... No, we didn't, but yes. <laughs> creepy, creepy eye, or creepy, crazy eyes McGee needs liver stuff right. to fuel his generational rampage. Right. And uh, Briggs has a ton of old photographs of tombs who has not seemed to age in 60 years and gives them the address of tombs, former apartment building, visiting the old building. Uh, Mulder and Scully find a nest made of newspapers and bile. So he's a pigeon. So enjoy that. Um, uh, <laughs> in the built in a crawl space and as well as several, uh, trophy items from where he uh, from his previous victims. Oh right, this is where I have in my notes. Oh hi, psycho babble. Right. <laughs> I don't know. It looks like a. It looks like a like like something you'd see like a it, like it looked like my grandparents' basement. I. Oh, I mean, <laughs> your grandparents grand- sat in the basement and ate paper. <laughs> no, no. Well, all the, I'm talking all the crap that's sitting around there. You know? Oh my god, you're right. Oh gotcha. They never. My mom. My mom's parents never threw anything away. They're still cleaning out the house. Not especially not if you can soak it with your saliva and make a house out of it. Wouldn't that be, be crazy? It would be. It would be so convenient. The rent but would yeah, be so like, much cheaper. You know, if you were to watch like something so, similar on something like Criminal Minds, it'd be like, "Here's the shrine of all of his trophies." This is like, all right, gonna toss uh, that thing there. <laughs> The pair leave, but Toombs, who was hiding the whole time, reaches his stretchy hand down and grabs the aforementioned necklace that Scully was wearing. That we never see again. 
Never see it again. Dun, dun, Never. dun. We know what's happening next because in the next scene, Scully is trying to take a bath. Well, uh, Colton catches up with Mulder and Scully and... Uh, He's an asshole. <laughs> is a total dick and kicks them off the job. And when Mulder finds Scully's necklace in Toom's apartment and tries to, to call her, uh, the phone line has been cut. <gasps> Meanwhile, back at Scully's apartment, you know some shit's about to go down because she is trying to take a bath. This is the second time in three episodes this goes down, right? Yep. I will ask Mike. And this time it won't be mosquito That's bites. True. It'll be herpes. But we do get a granny bra. We get a little bit of the granny bra. She doesn't get quite as naked as she does in the first in, in the pilot. But um, I uh, just, I have a question. Will she ever finish a bath? Will she ever get to take a bath? Also, how much is the FBI <laughs> paying her for so she can get that fucking apartment? Holy shit. No, she probably she probably can demand a pretty high rate of pay. I mean, she's a doctor, right? Well, no, like this is the thing is it's like um my brother had moved to DC about that time and he was paying a lot of money for like a three bedroom apartment. Like the one that we lived in, not the first one, but the second one, mm. was like t- like three times that. Oh, wow. Yeah. We weren't in DC. <sighs> I think she lives in Arlington. Oh my god. Oh, that prices are through the roof there. Are you kidding me? Those was $19.93. Oh, good Lord, don't you know? I it's. Um, I have issues. Toombs breaks into the apartment through a tiny air vent. But Mulder rushes there and apprehends him first. <laughs> Toombs is placed in an institution for the criminally insane, where he begins to slowly build another nest. <laughs> Using newspaper. Oh wait, we 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 passed over something. I I wrote down glory hole. <laughs> <laughs> Were you look thinking maybe the nest? I'm not sure. I I assume that made some sense to uh, the others as well. <laughs> you no, know, we're just gonna laugh at it. Um, and then I also wrote down tattletale. Someone tattled. I don't know who. I can't remember at this point. <laughs> uh, um, especially if you steal your girl. Uh, right. Horrible Holly. Yeah, Harvey Bullock, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. He filed a complaint against Mulder and Scully. And there was even this. There was even this. Um, uh, there was even this scene. Yeah, we missed the scene between, you know, where. where where Colton just sort of get where Colton is reading Scully the Riot Act and how you know he's you know this dude is upwardly mobile he's a careerist he wants to go straight to the top and it's like you know and Scully's like I can't wait to be there when you fall all the way down from the top on your ass and like oh yeah and it's like Scully really goes to bat for Mulder in this episode <laughs> And I think that that yeah, that's the whole the whole there's a whole subplot with this where the other FBI agents are just like taking a dump on Mulder and Scully mm-hmm. sort of speaks up for him. Uh, it, even going back to what we had seen in the last episode in in, in Deep Throat, uh, when one is in danger, the other one goes into action mode. You know, my mistake, by the way. Dana Scully lives apparently in Annapolis. Still, holy shit, how much are they paying her? <laughs> But, you know, um, as Mulder does when he realizes that Toombs is about to 
try and take Scully's liver. I, we got her. We, we got a nice little shot of her midriff there. And as, Granny Bra. To, and Granny Bra as Tombs is prepared to, you know, reach in and do some liver snatching. I like how Mulder rushes in to save Kalima, the day. Kalima, Kalima. <laughs> <laughs> I like how Mulder, though, rushes in to save the day and Scully's like, no, bitch, I got this. They managed to apprehend him and put him in an institution where uh, Scully is, informs Mulder that there are some very abnormal skeletal and muscular systems that, that came from the medical tests. And a rapidly declining metabolism. Excuse me. God bless you. Thank you. Um, Hail Satan. Meanwhile, he's, licking, he's taking strips of newspaper, licking them and making himself a new nest, a new glory hole, maybe. Now I get it. Yeah, <laughs> that's a hole. <laughs> the hole in the nest looks like a glory hole. How yes. do we know it's a new hole? How do we know it's not his girlfriend? Like, He's making a shape out of it, not just a wall. You know, it's, it's got a bit of a bump to it. <laughs> you know, it, it's strange to me that it's like we can't go through recording an episode without actually talking about sex. Um, Here's the best part, though. It is. When the guy comes and gives him the meal, they open up the rigid, hard slot in the door and he stares at it sexually. <laughs> <laughs> It's though, not our Doug fault. Like most, most, <laughs> most people are thinking he's like, oh, I can get out no, of there. But like, it, yeah. if you're really paying attention to this episode, he's like, there's a firm structure I can really paste a glory hole around. <laughs> now, to be Maybe fair, if I you like Doug lay hi- sideways up against the wall. <laughs> and now I am envisioning it and it will not go away. Kind of like to a fly. Fair, and that's the episode. <laughs> Hutchinson uh, stares at everything like that, though. End scene. End scene. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Also, um, uh, uh, I think that this was probably this. I think, if I recall correctly, this is what initially show, uh, sold me on the show. This, I'm gonna agree with that. Th- really? Yeah. Th- th- this is sort of like because I had seen the first two episodes and how. They had gone pretty heavily into the alien abduction, and that was interesting. But it sort of the the promise of more of more of a wider variety of weirdness is sort of what kept me coming back to the show. That was the first monster of the week, not alien related at all. Um, uh, just was he really the first monster? I think we've already established there's at least one monster in this episode, or one monster in this show already. Is that monster man? <laughs> or you know Mulder, but we—I guess we've only you know, it, got it's theories. It's interesting. I wonder now that we know kind of some stuff about Duchovny, uh and his issues, if um, some of that may have bled in. Yes, I think you so. Think he was just, he was just creeping on, trying to creep on Jillian, and it's like, no, no, it's in character. Really, really, no. <laughs> Mulder's a sexual deviant. Because David Duchovny's a he stole deviant. my memories. I mean, it's kind of. I don't know if the show meant to be this deep, but like, if he's maladjusted, then that's going to be another bad adjustment. He doesn't know how to like flirt or woo or interact with women in general. Doesn't really understand personal space. Makes people uncomfortable. He's it, it, it's sort of something that that like once again when you talk about uh, the FBI profiler as a recurring trope. Almost er- like almost every of them, every one of them are 
you know, pretty or somewhere on the uh, on the spectrum, as it's called, I guess. I, I don't yeah. know if that's the case, and I I don't know if that's going to offend people. And if it does, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, it's just a theory. <laughs> we're definitely never going to get David Duchovny on the show. No, oh. but I feel like we might be able to get Nicholas Lee on the show. Like, I feel like if we bought him lunch. All right. Um, <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about um, uh, Hutchison as Tombs here, because it sort of like seems he pulls up what he pulls off really well is making his character seem almost animalistic. Like he's like when he is on the hunt, you really get the notion that that's what he's doing. That, 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 that that's this isn't like human the, the human mind working. This is animal instincts taking over. He's not trying to be cruel. He's not trying to be mean. He's only trying to survive. It's a genetic imperative, and and that I think kind of comes off. It's frightening. It's frightening, but it's not malicious in, on his part. It's very lizard like. Yeah. yeah. It's. I will say we can sit here and we can make jokes about how horrible a human being that Doug Hutchinson is and sort of the creepiness of him, but he's not not a bad actor. And one of the things that you run into at the X Files is that the casting director was fantastic. Oh yeah, if they ever needed to, be, they, they ever, never needed to. This guy. Um, I know that I, I I shake my finger at you for jumping ahead. Do we see more of Colton later? Nope. This is the last time we'll see Colton, but we will see more of Tombs. Yep. After he fucks that glory hole, <laughs> he'll show back up. I don't know. I'm kind of a. I have a different opinion about like. I don't know how the how the character at least affected me. About, we also didn't talk Go about ahead. something in my notes. Oh, did he grab your necklace too? Yeah. <laughs> no, no. This is the thing. This is a thing that you will see continuously. And back me up on this, Marissa. Jillian Anderson jumping into weird places. Yep. Like, this is the first time. And it's like, Scully will do this. But, like, Jillian Anderson will just be like, Okay, Jillian, this week we need you to go into the creepy tunnel. Where are you going? I'm in the creepy tunnel! She is like a four-year-old into, like, <laughs> small places. All right, Mar- Marissa, what did you? What was your take on the performance there? I I do get the the animal vibe, and, and when he said lizard, I'm like, yeah, definitely, definitely lizard. But I once I saw him in Green Mile, I couldn't get the Tombs character out of my head, and I do see malice there. I see that maybe there's a hint, maybe a possibility that he could have like integrated into society in some manner, uh, unless he absolutely needed human livers, but. He just okay, enjoys it too much. It, it, I'm also going to insert here that the second, the follow-up episode to this certainly makes him more evil. I think that's probably why that like I have that kind of yeah, a bias this to one, it. Like, like Squeeze is not, you're right, he's kind of more animalistic. But when you see the follow-up episode, he's fucking psycho. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also it seems like maybe he's maybe he's like he knows he's different and he resents the normal people or it's it, it, it there's not really any rhyme or reason as to how he chooses the there doesn't seem to be a reason so far as to how he chooses which livers he wants. <laughs> but uh we'll see but we'll see exactly how that <clears throat> turns out. Val, what did you get from this one? <laughs> oh, I definitely got 
you know, all the glory holes. So I give this one uh, four glory holes out of five. Um, yeah, it's was, it was pretty good. I liked I liked that this one was it, it was more out there than the last one even because the last one you just saw lights that could be something extraterrestrial. Now we see a dude that's actually squeezing, you know, stretching his body and then Scully even verifies it with saying, you know, there's anomalies here and we're going to research further. But we see by his look at the glory hole that I'm not only going to fuck that thing, I'm going to fuck it wide open and get out of here. Right. Um, I, I'm excited to see more of him, I guess. Uh, so if we're doing ratings now, so I'll go ahead and give mine. Uh, this one uh, gets uh, four out of five livers. I took the easy way. <laughs> took the easy one right there. Uh, I give this a <laughs> how many livers he got in this um, in this killing spree right now, right? Ah, uh, ah. Uh, uh, um, like I said, this is the show that really kind of sells me on the series, where it's like the fir- where where it, it's not part of something larger. It gets to be itself. It actually has a satisfying resolution, which was missing from the first two from the first two, especially the second two, second one. That was a downer ending on not on Deep Throat most of the most of the time, uh, but there was a real sense of uh it it came to a satisfying conclusion and i don't think they really got into the business of following up with monsters of the week after this but um it was a good uh, but if they hadn't followed up it still would have been a decent um uh a decent story told and i think that that they at this point were coming on the, the 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 show was taking the form it needed to take right yes I and agree, I give yeah. this episode jaundice. You give it jaundice. <laughs> jaundice. <laughs> Just jaundice. No, none of any amount of jaundice. This episode has jaundice. <laughs> what did you think, dear? Yeah. You'd have to no, turn your no, eyes I... yellow and ruin your liver. <laughs> well, that's what happens when you don't have like the right yes. Um, no, it's. Or you put the right amount of food coloring in your context. That is also. Don't don't put. <laughs> Don't do it. it. It's accurate. Don't do it, <laughs> Don't do it though. <laughs> for mine, I wouldn't do it. Um, I, I, it's weird because these are episodes I saw later. Um, we're not really into the episodes that kind of got me hooked, but no, it's uh, it's one of those that the episodes that I saw before that were not as good, and this is even as horribly cheesy as it is in spots. Um, it's not bad. Marissa, your rating? I give this uh, 8 out of 10 balled up pieces of bile-covered newspaper. Oh. Uh, no, I really like this episode. <laughs> I think this was better than the two before it. I've always liked the monster episodes better, unless the mythology episode's really good. It actually legitimately scared me. I didn't see this this uh, the show in general in order, but when I did see this episode above any of the other episodes, it actually freaked me out. So, <clears throat> okay, <Yay>. so, <laughs> pretty positive review across the board. I guess you count John just as po- positive. Uh, we're I go- I would say it's a fact of life when we're talking about livers. I'd like to remind you all that the FBI basement is brought to you by the smooth. Rich taste of Morley cigarettes. 
We are fresh out of show for tonight, but tune in for the next episode. What happens in the next episode, hun? Oh, tune in next time as Mulder and Scully go to the heartland to talk to a crazy woman about her daughter watering off, or was it more, in one of the most twin peakiest episodes from season one. Thank you. <laughs> and my name is Todd. For Shannon, Valentine, and Marissa, I'm saying good night, and the truth is out there. No, it isn't. Not even close. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for more from our other shows on the Medicinal Mass Network.